Christ clothed his divinity with humanity and lived a life of prayer and self-denial and of daily battle with temptation that he might help those who today are assailed by temptation. He is our efficiency and power. He desires that through the appropriation of his grace, humanity shall become partakers of the divine nature and thus escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. The word of God in the Old and New Testaments, if faithfully studied and received into the life, will give spiritual wisdom and life. This word is to be sacredly cherished. Faith in the word of God and in the power of Christ to transform the life will enable the believer to work his works and to live a life of rejoicing in the Lord. Again and again I have been instructed to say to our people, Let your faith and trust be in God. Do not depend on any erring man to define your duty. It is your privilege to say, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. Ye that fear the Lord, praise him. All ye the seed of Jacob, glorify him. And fear him, all ye the seed of Israel. For he hath not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, neither hath he hid his face from him. But when he cried unto him, he heard, My praise shall be of thee. I will pay my vows before them that fear him. The meek shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord that seek him. Your heart shall live forever. See Psalms 22, verses 22 to 26. These scriptures are right to the point. Every church member should understand that God is the one to whom to look for an understanding of individual duty. It is right that brethren counsel together, but when men arrange just what their brethren shall do, let them answer that they have chosen the Lord as their counselor. Those who will humbly seek him will find his grace sufficient. But when one man allows another to step in between him and the duty that God has pointed out to him, giving to man his confidence and accepting him as guide, then he steps from the true platform to a false and dangerous one. Such a man, instead of growing and developing, will lose his spirituality. There is no power in any man to remedy the defective character. Individually, our hope and trust must be in the one who is more than human. We need ever to remember that help has been laid on one who is mighty. The Lord has provided the needed help for every soul who will accept it. Chapter 19 I Am But a Little Child At the beginning of his reign, Solomon prayed, O Lord my God! Thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father, and I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. See 1 Kings 3.7 Solomon had succeeded his father David to the throne of Israel. God greatly honored him, and as we know, he became in later years the greatest, richest, and wisest king that had ever sat upon an earthly throne. Early in his reign, Solomon was impressed by the Holy Spirit with the solemnity of his responsibilities, and though rich in talents and ability, 
he realized that without divine aid, he was helpless as a little child to perform them. Solomon was never so rich or so wise or so truly great as when he confessed to the Lord, I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. It was in a dream in which the Lord appeared to him, saying, Ask what I shall give thee, see verse 5, that Solomon thus gave expression to his feeling of helplessness and need of divine aid. He continued, Thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people, that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give, therefore, thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this, thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord, that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked for riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. Now the conditions. And if thou wilt walk in my ways, to keep my statutes and my commandments, as thy father David did walk, then I will lengthen thy days. And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. And he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offerings and offered peace offerings and made a feast to all his servants. See verses 8 to 15. All who occupy responsible positions need to learn the lesson that is taught in Solomon's humble prayer. They are ever to remember that position will never change the character or render man infallible. The higher the position a man occupies, the greater the responsibility he has to bear. The wider will be the influence he exerts and the greater his need to feel his dependence on the wisdom and strength of God and to cultivate the best and most holy character. Those who accept a position of responsibility in the cause of God should always remember that with the call to this work, God has also called them to walk circumspectly before Him and before their fellow men. Instead of considering it their duty to order and dictate and command, they should realize that they are to be learners themselves. When a responsible worker fails to learn this lesson, the sooner he is released from his responsibilities, the better it will be for him and for the work of God. Position never will give holiness and excellence of character. He who honors God and keeps His commandments is himself honored. The question which each should ask himself in all humility is, Am I qualified for this position? Have I learned to keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment? The Savior's earthly example has been given us that we should not walk in our own strength, 
but that each should consider himself, as Solomon expressed it, a little child. Chapter 20 Followers of God as Dear Children Every truly converted soul can say, I am but a little child, but I am God's child. It was at infinite cost that provision was made whereby the human family might be restored to sonship with God. In the beginning, God made man in his own likeness. Our first parents listened to the voice of the tempter and yielded to the power of Satan. But man was not abandoned to the results of the evil he had chosen. The promise of a deliverer was given. I will put enmity between thee and the woman, God said to the serpent, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. See Genesis 3.15. Before they heard of the thorn and the thistle, of the sorrow and the toil that must be their portion, or of the dust to which they must return, they listened to words that could not fail of giving them hope. All that had been lost by yielding to Satan could be regained through Christ. The Son of God was given to redeem the race. At infinite suffering, the sinless for the sinful, the price was paid that was to redeem the human family from the power of the destroyer and restore them again to the image of God. Those who accept the salvation brought to them in Christ will humble themselves before God as his little children. God wants his children to ask for those things that will enable him to reveal his grace through them to the world. He wants them to seek his counsel, to acknowledge his power. Christ lays loving claims on all for whom he has given his life. They are to obey his will if they would share the joys that he has prepared for all who reflect his character here. It is well for us to feel our weakness, for then we shall seek the strength and wisdom that the Father delights to give his children for their daily strife against the powers of evil. While education, training, and the counsel of those of experience are all essential, the workers are to be taught that they are not to rely wholly upon any man's judgment. As God's free agents, all should ask wisdom of him. When the learner depends wholly upon another's thoughts, accepting his plans and going no further, he sees only through that man's eyes and is, so far, only an echo of another. Chapter 21 The Reward of Earnest Effort if any man's work abide, he shall receive a reward. See 1 Corinthians 3.14 Glorious will be the reward bestowed when the faithful workers gather about the throne of God and of the Lamb. When John in his mortal state beheld the glory of God, he fell as one dead. He was not able to endure the sight. But when the children of God shall have put on immortality, they will see him as he is. See 1 John 3, 2. They will stand before the throne, accepted in the Beloved. All their sins have been blotted out, all their transgressions borne away. Now they can look upon the undimmed glory of the throne of God. They have been partakers with Christ in his sufferings, they have been workers together with him in the plan of redemption, 
and they are partakers with him in the joy of seeing souls saved in the kingdom of God, there to praise God through all eternity. My brother, my sister, I urge you to prepare for the coming of Christ in the clouds of heaven. Day by day, cast the love of the world out of your hearts. Understand by experience what it means to have fellowship with Christ. Prepare for the judgment that when Christ shall come to be admired in all them that believe, you may be among those who will meet him in peace. In that day, the redeemed will shine forth in the glory of the Father and the Son. The angels, touching their golden harps, will welcome the King and his trophies of victory, those who have been washed and made white in the blood of the Lamb. A song of triumph will peal forth, filling all heaven. Christ has conquered. He enters the heavenly courts, accompanied by his redeemed ones, the witnesses that his mission of suffering and sacrifice has not been in vain. The resurrection and ascension of our Lord is a sure evidence of the triumph of the saints of God over death and the grave, and a pledge that heaven is open to those who wash their robes of character and make them white in the blood of the Lamb. Jesus ascended to the Father as a representative of the human race, and God will bring those who reflect his image to behold and share with him his glory. There are homes for the pilgrims of earth. There are robes for the righteous, with crowns of glory and palms of victory. All that has perplexed us in the providences of God will in the world to come be made plain. The things hard to be understood will then find explanation. The mysteries of grace will unfold before us. Where our finite minds discovered only confusion and broken promises, we shall see the most perfect and beautiful harmony. We shall know that infinite love ordered the experiences that seemed most trying. As we realize the tender care of Him who makes all things work together for our good, we shall rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Pain cannot exist in the atmosphere of heaven. In the home of the redeemed there will be no tears, no funeral trains, no badges of mourning. The inhabitant shall not say, I am sick. The people that dwell therein shall be forgiven their iniquity. See Isaiah 33:24. One rich tide of happiness will flow and deepen as eternity rolls on. We are still amidst the shadows and turmoil of earthly activities. Let us consider most earnestly the blessed hereafter. Let our faith pierce through every cloud of darkness and behold him who died for the sins of the world. He has opened the gates of paradise to all who receive and believe on him. To them he gives power to become the sons and daughters of God. Let the afflictions which pain us so grievously become instructive lessons teaching us to press forward toward the mark of the prize of our high calling in Christ. Let us be encouraged by the thought that the Lord is soon to come. Let this hope gladden our hearts yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. See Hebrews 10:37. Blessed are those servants who, when the Lord comes, shall be found watching. 
we are homeward bound. He who loved us so much as to die for us hath builded for us a city. The new Jerusalem is our place of rest. There will be no sadness in the city of God, no wail of sorrow, no dirge of crushed hopes and buried affections will ever more be heard. Soon the garments of heaviness will be changed for the wedding garment. Soon we shall witness the coronation of our King. Those whose lives have been hidden with Christ, those who on this earth have fought the good fight of faith, will shine forth with the Redeemer's glory in the kingdom of God. It will not be long till we shall see Him in whom our hopes of eternal life are centered. And in His presence, all the trials and sufferings of this life will be as nothingness. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. See verses 35 to 37. Look up, look up, and let your faith continually increase. Let this faith guide you along the narrow path that leads through the gates of the city of God into the great beyond, the wide, unbounded future of glory that is for the redeemed. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it, until he receive the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. See James 5, verses 7 and 8.